Lori and I were about three, almost four years into our infertility journey. I've shared some of this in the past, and I know that many of you have experienced that in some way, shape, or form as well. It's an incredibly difficult season in your life, and it was an incredible, incredibly difficult season in our life. And I'll never forget one conversation. That conversation was with a really great friend of mine. And we were sitting there and we were talking uh, about uh, the journey that we were walking through with infertility. Uh, we had uh, sought out doctors and advice and uh, we, we'd gone to talk to anybody and everybody that we could in terms of how do we, how do we get pregnant? How does this work? And, and we had actually gone through a couple of miscarriages and it had just been an incredibly difficult season in our life. And I remember sitting with my friend and I was thinking, oh, he's going to be a source of encouragement. This is going to be good. Like, I, I need somebody around me right now who's going to help me out. And instead of being that, he was something very different. Because I said to him, I just feel like God is saying no right now to us. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, my God always says yes to me. And then he went on to tell me that he thought there was something maybe in our marriage that was wrong. Maybe there was an unconfessed sin. Maybe that somehow we were wrong with God and that in some way, shape, or form, God was sort of punishing us with this. And I remember walking away from that conversation going, this relationship will never be the same. I don't have another story to tell you about how suddenly we got all right with each other and we're best friends forever and it was amazing and I bought a little necklace and he got half the heart and I got half the heart. I don't have that story for you guys, okay? I don't. What I do have to offer you is this. I had to start that day to figure out how I was gonna forgive him. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a moment where you would say, now I have to think about how I'm going to try to forgive this person who did something terrible to me. That's what we're going to discuss today as we continue our series on the parables. And I want to open with this driving question in this parable we will be looking at. And it's the question this, how should I forgive? How should I forgive? I would imagine in a room like this and folks online as well. There are so many stories of those who have sinned against us, of those we have sinned against as well. And the question for us as Christians would be, how do we live like Jesus? How do we be those who would forgive as well? So we're going to look at this small little parable, this small little story to teach us about forgiveness. We'll be in Matthew 18, Matthew 18, 21, through 35. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. Verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I think Peter had somebody in mind, by the way. Like, I can't prove this or anything. I have no commentary around this. But I think Peter was like, hey, Jesus, your brother James, let's talk about him. You know, I have no proof on this, okay? But I, I have this feeling that Peter had somebody in mind who was like, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive him? Like seven times? That sounds like a lot. I mean, James has been at eight, so, you know, not any more forgiveness. No, Jesus says this instead, right? 
He says, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In fact, Jesus is doing a little bit of wordplay here. If you dig a little deeper into the commentary, he's saying something obscure, like he's saying 70 times, 70 times, 70. He's saying something obscure to Peter that we still don't quite understand. What he's saying is a lot. Seven was a number of completion. And so what he was saying is, you need to continue to forgive until the work of forgiveness is completed. It's done, which is a lot of times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So a very natural and normal thing for them to speak about in their day and age in their culture. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Not 10,000 bags of gold, a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Today, I want to look at this short little parable, this short little lesson, this story, and I want to take a look at the characters in the story so that we can get a deeper appreciation for what is going on in this story of mercy and of forgiveness. The first character that we are introduced to is the king, the king. This is a picture that Jesus used Often in his stories, often in his parables, he spoke about the kingdom of God, and so often he spoke about the king. And what I want you to hear right away, and actually throughout the entire sermon, is that this king is different than all the other kings. In that day and in that age, it was very, very common for kings and leaders to say, you owe me something, you owe me a debt, you owe me taxes, and and to come to those who owe them, to the debtor, and say, hey, you need to repay me what you owe me, or else I'm going to throw you in jail until we can settle this debt. This was very, very common in their day and age. In fact, it was the expected expected, um, conclusion of this story. People would say, well, that's that's what a king does. A king marches in and says, hey, I demand that you pay me what you owe me. I know this story. But Jesus tells this story with this incredible 
twist. You see, this servant is thrown into jail, and he's not left for dead. He's not left there trying to figure out how to settle this debt. No, instead, he pleads with the king, and he says, king, I, I, I will, I, just give me some time. Just, just give me some time. I will figure out how to pay, how to pay back. And, and instead of saying, okay, I'll give you some time, because the king could have done that. He could have just said, okay, I'm not going to throw you in jail, but I'm going to give you some time to actually pay the debt. The king goes another step. He does something that no king at that time would do. And that king says to the servant, he says, I'm going to cancel your debt. I'm going to forgive your debt. You don't owe me anything. And the king is a picture of God. And we need to wrestle with this this morning. Do you think that God looks at you and says, you don't owe me anything or not? Or do you live a life that somehow feels indebted to God? What is the nature of who you believe God really is? Because what Jesus wants us to see right at the beginning of this story is that the king is a king of mercy. The king, God, is a king of mercy. He's not a He's not a God of judgment, but a God of mercy. If he judges rightly, like the judges of that day, the kings of that day, he would have thrown the man in jail and done what was right in everyone's eyes. But instead, he has mercy upon him. If you are just learning about God for the very first time, or Jesus is new to you, I want you to welcome, be welcomed into this storyline. Our God is like no other God. Every other God in this world, you owe something to. You better earn your salvation. You better work really hard so you can get right with that God because that God is angry with you and wants to punish you and wants to harm you and he's disappointed in you. But this God is different than that. He's unlike all the other gods. He's a God who is merciful, who accepts you and loves you and forgives your debt when you can offer nothing to him. This is the nature of our God. And Jesus wants us to flip the story. He wants us to flip the story, to see that our story is one of mercy. It's one of forgiveness. It's one of love. It's one that we are often unfamiliar with. And I want us to see that this God, this king, he forgives our debt. Let me give you a picture of forgiving our debt. So eight years ago, we moved to Big Sky and I worked up there for about five years and led a small church up there. Just an amazing, amazing season of our life. Um, and when we got up there, I don't know if you know this, but housing in Big Sky is like challenging. I don't know. You know, it's, it's like Bozeman on steroids, okay? And you're like, Bozeman's pretty bad. Yeah, Big Sky's even worse, okay? So we got up there, and we were thinking, okay, we need a home. We've got a couple kids, and we've got to figure out a place to live up here, and this is super challenging. And, and we found a house that we could sort of afford, okay? And so um, we started working with the bank and with, with everybody to make this happen, and I just realized, like, this is going to take every penny we, we own, and so in, in his wisdom and stature, one of the head elders came to me and said, hey, Brian, are you able to figure this all out with this house and how can we, how can we help you? 
And so we had some conversation and he came up with an idea and he said, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, le- we're gonna lend you some money so that you don't have to drain every single penny that you have because you still have to figure out how to live around here. Uh, and we don't want you to start out like that. And so we're, we're gonna lend you a little bit of money. It wasn't, it wasn't a ton of money, but, but it was enough money to keep us going and keep us in a healthy position in that season of our life, right? And so we were able to purchase the home and, and we got this loan from our church, okay? It's kind of a weird situation, but we got this, this loan from the church. And, and so uh, we were working through this first year of ministry and it was going super well. And we got kind of to the end of the first year. And in the back of my head, the whole time, you know how this works, like in the back of my head, I'm like, oh man, I gotta start paying off that money soon, right? Like I know, I know I know they're gonna come calling at some point. One of these elders meetings, they're gonna be like, hey man, you're doing a great job, but where's our money? You know what I mean? Like this is just what I had in my head. And so I remember looking at one of the agendas and I always worked on the agenda, but on the agenda, uh, the, the elder that had done the lending and worked on things with me, he had added something right after my first kind of anniversary up there, and he had a little line in it that said, a conversation about loan. And I'm like, oh no, here we go. Okay, game time. So I meet with Lori, and we're like, okay, here's the plan, and I got a good plan, I put it down on paper, and I'm like, I'm gonna repay this, and it's gonna be awesome, and it'll be fine, it's gonna take us like a year or two, and we'll get it paid off, and it'll be, it'll be great. We're in a good position for it anyway. And so, so I come, and I am prepared, I'm ready, when we have the whole meeting and I'm not thinking about anything other than this, you know, and we have the whole meeting and we get to the end of the meeting and, and the, the head elder says, okay, Brian, we got to have a conversation here about, uh, about that loan that we gave you uh, a year ago, right? We wanted to get you on your feet and um, we've had a really great year this year and we're so grateful. And I, I started interrupting him and I'm like, I, I have a plan. We're going to pay it off. It's, it's going to be, and, and he stopped me. And he said, Brian, uh, we have had a conversation without you. And uh, we've had a phenomenal first year. And we, w- we want to do something for you. We want to bless you. We want to bless your family. And we want to we do this. And he picked up the loan, which had my signature, his signature, other people's signatures. And he just ripped it up. And he said, we decided that this loan is paid in full. And I, I am emotional just talking about it. I just, it just like, I'd never, honestly, you guys, I've never had anything like that happen to me in my whole life. I'm a bootstrap guy, right? Like I'm a make it happen kind of guy. Like I'm, I actually, there was two thoughts. One was like, oh, this is amazing. And then one was like, wait a minute, I should pay that back. I owe you. I should pay that back. Don't you think I can pay it back? I can pay this back, right? See, the king, God, looks you in the eye and says the debt is paid in full. The debt is paid in full. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not disappointed in you. I'm not going to throw you in jail. I'm not waiting for you to screw up again. The debt is paid in full. You don't get to carry that debt anymore. You know what happened after that happened with the elders? I didn't get to carry that debt, even though there was part of me that wanted to carry that debt still. 
I still in a weird way wanted to carry that debt. No, that's my debt. I earned that debt. I'm going to pay that debt off. No, no, no. When they forgave that debt, it was no longer my debt to hold because the debt was gone. And this is the picture of our king. And we need to stare at that. And we need to say, does that match our picture of God? Is your God merciful? Or is he out to get you? Is he, is he out to punish you for all the things you've done wrong? Is he disappointed by you? See, I, I, think, I think sometimes we think of our heavenly father like our earthly and motherly fathers. And let's just be honest, our earthly and motherly fathers, they do the best they can, but, but we don't mirror Jesus very well when we say things like this. And parents, come on, you've said this. I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed in you, <laughs> right? You've been there, you've done this. Like, that was effective, I'm gonna use that again, right? <laughs> Shaming our kids into good behavior. Careful parents, careful parents. And also posing a picture of what our Heavenly Father might look like. Some of you are still carrying this. That God is disappointed in you. That you'll never add up. You're not enough. He can't really love you. You've got too much sin in your life. You'll never overcome that sin. So how could he love you? You're carrying, do you understand? You're carrying your debt, but that debt is forgiven. Mercy has been bestowed upon you. Do you have the picture of a merciful king? That is our God. That's why we call it good news, not bad news. And part of why we struggle with this is we're the servant, right? That's the second, that's the second uh, character in this story is the servant is us. The servant is us. We're forgiven from this huge pile of debt, but then we do like the servant in here. We're forgiven of this debt, and then we so quickly forget that we were forgiven of that debt, and we live in a different way, and we don't, we don't give what we've received. We don't give what we've received. We, we are given mercy, but then we don't give mercy. Um, my my uh, papa, Papa Van Epps, Art Van Epps. You've heard me tell some art stories uh, before. You got to live up to a name like Art Van Epps, right? Uh, he passed away on Wednesday this week. And uh, um, he was a man of great legacy. Uh, he, he was a man who... Uh, has a great heritage of faith. 31 great-grandkids who all know the Lord. There's uh, 14, 15 of us grandkids. We all think we're, we were his favorite, all of us. <laughs> we will fight about it <laughs> at the upcoming funeral, I guarantee. Uh, four kids uh, who all know and love the Lord and um, are all part of their churches, have lifelong marriages, there is a, a history of faith. He, he is, in some sense, I've explained this to people, he is the, one of those pictures of a patriarch that every man should want to be. My grandma was one of those pictures of a matriarch that every woman should want to be, a woman full of grace and truth, a man full of strength and honor, okay? Um, but I want to share a little piece of his story that's a little harder to hear. 
Because two weeks ago, in God's mercy, that's the story, that's the storyline, in God's mercy, uh, I got to fly out to Cheyenne and, and preach out there at a, at a church that's in an interim process. They got a new pastor coming in August, so I'm just helping them out a little bit. And uh, I, I got to fly into Denver. So I flew in early, and my dad and I got together, and we went over to see my papa. And so in God's grace and his mercy and his timing, uh, I got to see him for one last time. And, and, and we got to get together, and I just thought this is going to be such a joyous occasion and so good to see Papa in this last minute of his life, this last season, this last chapter, these last pages of his life. Um, and so we went out and, and took him outside, and he fed his goldfish because he's a fisherman too. And so that's the closest he can get to fish right now, it's, although he's probably fishing right now um, on better rivers than me. So... Uh, we fed, we fed the goldfish together, and then we went back up to his room, and, and we were just kind of reminiscing about life and talking about things, and suddenly he got really, he got really dark. And this was something that he wrestled with often in the last couple of years of his life. It wasn't something new to me, but I, I was honestly hoping that wouldn't happen on this visit. And, and he started talking about what he hadn't done in life and the husband he hadn't been for his wife, and the dad he hadn't been for his kids. And he got really sad, and he got really somber, and, and in these last pages of his life, he was, I'm telling you guys, he was such a man of faith, but in such an honest way, he was wrestling with the mercy of God. Because my grandpa, like me, I, get, I got this from him, he was a bootstrap kind of guy. He was a self-made man. He owned a garbage truck business, okay? Like, you know those guys, right? He, he owned a travel agency. He was an entrepreneur. He made it happen. He was Art Van Epps, married to Rook Van Epps. And when Art and Rook walked in the room, you knew it, okay? Big man, full of joy, lots of laughter. I get that from him. And because of this, because of this, because he was a self-made man, and, and I see self-made men in the room right now, I do. I see you. I see you. You can't earn God's grace. And I saw it in the, in the final stages of my grandpa that he was wrestling with how good mercy could possibly be because he knew there were moments he hadn't extended the same mercy that he had been given. And one of the greatest things I heard this week was on Monday morning, my dad just said, hey, your grandpa... He's in a peaceful state. Like he, he's ready to meet Jesus. All of that, all of that darkness that has been kind of trailing him and, and, and getting under his skin, like that's, it's, it's just gone this morning, Brian. And he's looking forward to seeing Jesus. He's looking forward to mercy, to grace, to full, full redemption with Jesus, to no more pain, no more sadness. No more trying to bootstrap things. No more trying to make it happen, but being enfolded into the loving arms of his king, his father. And, and we need to receive this, you guys. We need to receive this. And, and sometimes we don't. And when we don't receive that there is a merciful king who is merciful to us, do you know what we do? Then we impart other things to other people. When we don't receive that mercy well, then we don't give that mercy well. 
And if you would say to me, Brian, I've received the mercy well, but you would show me in your life that you don't give the mercy well, I would have questions for you. I would have questions for me because I'm like that servant, right? I'm like that servant who goes to the third person in this story, right? The fellow servant who is everyone else. I'm, I'm like the servant who treats the fellow servant like everyone else. My, my spouse, my kids, my friends, my coworkers, these are the fellow servants. Your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your friends, these are the fellow servants or everyone else. And, and the question would be, is there so much mercy, so much grace in your life that it's just naturally overflowing out of your life into the lives of others? Or are you withholding that, denying that? Because maybe mercy and grace haven't taken root in the deepest parts of your heart. We have to wrestle with this because, because this is what we do, isn't it? This is what we do. Like, Everyone else, the fellow servant, he's the look at that guy, isn't he? Okay, follow me here. I like to call this look at that guy syndrome, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Like you come here, you sing songs to Jesus about his grace and his mercy, and we're gonna take communion in a little bit, and it's gonna remind us of his grace and his mercy, and we prayed, and we're grateful for his grace and his mercy, and then you're gonna get on North 19th, And that dude's going to pull out in front of you and you're going to go, look at that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> look, look at that guy. We play this game. Look at that. Look at that gal. I, w- I would never treat my kids like that on the playground, in public. Maybe at home, but nobody needs to know about that. Look at, look at her. Look at that kid. Man, I gotta ask that kid to do the same thing every single time. Look at that kid. I, like, I gotta ask eight times for you to brush your teeth, man. Eight times. Meanwhile, listen, how many times has God asked me to do simple things and then forgiven me of that? Right? We play this game. We play this game. And, and I'm telling you, church, This is why the world says the church is full of hypocrites because oftentimes we are and we we have to do the deep work of our heart, you guys. We have to do the deep work of our heart. If mercy isn't pouring out of you, there's a good chance you don't actually know what mercy is. You haven't received it in the fullest way if it's not naturally spilling out of you. You're still withholding something. You're still trying to earn your salvation. You're not letting go of that skin, sin and leaving it to Jesus. And because of that, you're unable to give it to those around you. And, and so we sit in judgment of others, just like this servant. The reason, the reason this story and these stories are so good, so true, is that they speak into our story, don't they? We're so inconsistent. Like, Jesus, I love you. But that guy, that guy drives me crazy. Look at him, Jesus. He needs to hear this sermon, not me, right? And the question would be, what do, what do we do with that? Like, can I, one of the things I was wrestling with is I do a lot of, a lot of premarital counseling and then a little bit of, I'm not a counselor, so I send like people to real counselors because I love you real counselors, right? I can tell you how to pray and how to get along a little bit, but like, 
Um, but I do end up talking to couples often. And when I talk to couples often, I talk about this often, is that we, we keep score. And when you keep score, everybody loses. This isn't like a good basketball game, a good baseball game. No, no, no. In a marriage, when you keep score, everyone loses. Our marriages could use a good dose of mercy, couldn't they? I explained it as the crazy cycle, right? I don't get what I want, so I don't give her what she wants. And she doesn't get what she wants, so she doesn't give what she wants. And, and I need mercy, but she's not gonna withhold, she's not gonna give mercy because I haven't given mercy to her. What if your marriage, what if your marriage was filled with mercy? Unmerited favor. That's the definition of grace, you guys. Unmerited favor. What if our marriages were places so filled with God's grace, so filled with God's mercy? that it opened us up to loving each other, caring for each other the way that God intended for it to be. So I want to talk about a couple of takeaways. We've got God, who's the good king. We've got the servant, who is us, inconsistent. And then we've got everybody else. We've got people that we treat poorly and, and people that we, we have been that person. We've been treated poorly by Christians. So there's a couple takeaways from this. Number one, the first takeaway. I've been forgiven by the king. That's the first takeaway. You've been forgiven by the king. You've been forgiven by the king. For all your sins, for all your failures, for all your flaws, you don't need to forgive yourself because Jesus already has. This is the great myth of post-Christianity is that you need to forgive yourself. You're not a very good savior, newsflash, okay? You didn't die on a cross, newsflash, but Jesus did. He stepped in your place. He bore the weight of your sin and you are forgiven. Your only part in this is to receive it, like to reach out and go, I would like that, please. Please have mercy upon me like the servant. Please have mercy upon me. And then freely you receive. There's nothing that you have to do other than to reach out and take a hold of what is offered freely to you. You are forgiven by the king. Can you walk in this? This is your identity, Christian. You are the forgiven one, forgiven by the king. That should help you walk in a different way out of here this morning, like a little more pep in your step because you are forgiven. That's what this meal is all about. This meal that we're about to partake in, it's all about freely receiving the goodness and grace of God. The wine or the juice, it represents the blood of Jesus shed for you. And the, and the, and the bread, it, it represents the body of Jesus broken for you for the forgiveness of sins so that we can remember this. Because we don't need to be the offering. We don't. The offering was already made. We just come and receive that offering. For some of you, you've never taken this meal, and I would say to you, today is your day. Today is your day. Receive the gift of forgiveness. Receive the gift of grace. Jesus' body and blood shed for you. You are forgiven. 
Alexander Pope in the 18th century said this, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. Receive the divine gift. Receive communion. Then the second takeaway is this, and this is going to lead to a little deeper, a little deeper uh, reflection. Who have I not forgiven? Who have I not forgiven? It's, it's, it's like a ripple effect. It's like a domino effect. That forgiveness should beget forgiveness. And so the question, the deep work we've got to do is this, okay? Who have you not forgiven? Logan Holloman, he started out this series and, and he had you stop and actually take an inventory of all the sin, all the things you had uh, against God, right? This is like a very impactful exercise. I want to do a bit of an exercise as well in the remainder of our time together. And even, even during communion, I want you to do this exercise on your own. I want you to consider who you have not yet forgiven. Who you have not yet forgiven. St. Augustine said this, resentment is like, or unforgiveness, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Isn't that beautiful? Like so true. It's like drinking poison and then expecting somebody else to die. I've said it like this before. When you don't forgive, it's like putting somebody in jail, just like this story, putting somebody in jail, but then waking up realizing you're the one behind the bars. You understand what I'm saying? It's like a perspective change. You're like, I'm gonna put them behind the bars. And then you look out and realize, oh wait, I'm on the inside of those bars. Unforgiveness eats at us. Resentment eats at us. It deteriorates our ability to receive the good gift of Jesus. And so who have you not forgiven? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you need to like text him, call him right now. What I'm saying is you need to start within your heart. That's what Jesus says. This is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. I'm not saying you should have bad boundaries, by the way, okay? You should not have bad boundaries. If you have been in an abusive marriage, you shouldn't go back to that marriage, okay? I'm not saying that. We have boundaries in our lives, but you can forgive. You can set somebody free in your own heart, even if they don't know. By the way, if you forgive someone, they'll figure it out. Something will change in how you treat them. Something will change in your interactions because something has changed in your own heart. Who have you not forgiven? Matthew 5 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he says, when you come to the altar, which in their day and age, they would come to the altar to offer offerings. If you had something between you and another person, another brother or sister, he said, leave that offering at the front. Go make things right with your brother and sister and then come back and then give your offering. We don't come here to this meal to offer anything. We come to this meal to receive something. You don't need to sacrifice because Jesus already did. But within your own heart, can you do some work in the next few minutes? Can you do some work to say, who have I not forgiven yet? And we'll end with this, the heart of the story. Forgiven people, forgive others. Forgiven people, forgive others. This, this, this is what's transformational. What if we were the most merciful? What if that was what people thought about the church? 
I don't think that that's what people think about the church right now. I don't, I don't think that that historically is what people have thought about the church. What if forgiven people forgave others? What would that look like in your family? What would that look like with your kids, with your spouse, with your workers? What would that look like in your community, in your neighborhood? If your house was a, a house of mercy, of grace, what if, it, what if it was a light? And don't get this wrong. Forgiven people forgive. This is a heart matter. Like, we offer light because the light of the world came to us first, right? We love because he first loved us. We serve because he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Forgiven people will forgive others. This is the meal that you are invited into. This is a forgiveness meal, a mercy meal to remind us that we are forgiven and that we can give that forgiveness, that mercy, that grace away to the world around us. It would change everything, you guys. If we took this serious, if we did the deep work of our heart, it would change the world. We are going to take communion together. If you're online, I would encourage you to go ahead and grab some elements, grab some juice and some crackers or some bread uh, and participate with us as well. Uh, I want to give you a couple instructions, okay? Think like good drivers, not North 19th, okay? Don't do the look at that guy in the communion aisle, okay? That would, that would like defeat the purpose of the whole sermon, okay? Stay on the right side of the aisle, leave on the other side of the aisle. It'll like go really, really well. So uh, you can figure it out, you're smart. Um, we have a bunch of stations up here. We have gluten-free options out on the edges. Um, and I want you to know there's a couple songs. One of them is very reflective, so I want... I want you to use that time to reflect upon maybe this question, uh, who have I not forgiven yet, right? Offer them forgiveness, maybe even in this moment in your heart. Um, and, and then the second song, I want to be honest with you, just letting you know, it's a rocker. Like, it's like, we're bringing the heat tonight, to, today to uh, end, the, end the service together. And so um, we're going to celebrate because we have much to celebrate. We are the forgiven of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. You forgive us. You give us new life. Jesus, thank you that my grandfather gets to see that face to face right now. That um, this meal is nothing compared to the joy that he's experiencing in this moment. And thanks that what that's what we have to look forward to. And God, I want us to experience it now. I want to experience that now. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want to receive forgiveness in its fullness. I want to stand clean, washed whiter than snow. I want to be the one who has been given mercy and then gives mercy, Jesus. Make this true in my heart. Make this true in our hearts. God, even in this moment, in this meal, would you remind us of your forgiveness? And God, would you allow us to step into forgiving others. As maybe names and faces are brought to mind, God, I pray that we would even offer from our heart forgiveness to them as we participate in this moment. We receive this meal, this mercy and grace bestowed upon us, freely given, we receive. 
receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.